millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. 
www.fighterflare.com. Order now. Something wicked is coming this way, and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate to gold now, the timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with noble gold investments to physically hold coins and bars and let real, tangible gold, not just paper, save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now, Noble Gold Investments offers a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin with every qualified IRA. Just use the promo code code GOLD to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com now. noblegoldinvestments.com This performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. Uh, <laughs> Alright, folks. Welcome to Nino's Corner.tv. I am joined with the Sean Atwood. And let me tell you, folks, this is a privilege for me because this guy has a hell of a story. This is an amazing story. We're going to get into it. But first, folks, get your trip with Nino, baby. Uh, this is why, uh, according to the CDC, 73.6% of adults are overweight and further 40% of the adults are obese or just fat. Uh, this is why I highly recommend including this amazing supplement into your daily routine, folks. It contains naturally sourced ingredients from Mother Earth to support weight loss. Uh, its main ingredient is called conjugated linoic acid, or CLA for short, which is which has been shown to reduce fat storage while speeding up fat breakdown. The CLA is it essentially hinders the body's ability to store fat in favor of supporting the body's ability to burn fat. Uh, try today for 51% off plus several additional free bonuses. Order today by going to the link below, folks, and get yourself some trim with Nino, baby. Trim with Nino in the link below. Sean, thank you for coming on, man. Thank you. It's a privilege. Huge thank you for having me on, David. <laughs> you like that ad? <laughs> oh man i gotta tell you man um i've seen a lot of your stuff man and one of the first times i got i you know i, I became acquainted with you was i watched your locked up abroad episode it was a while back and i was like holy cow um you know i've seen your stuff on youtube but i didn't really know your history i saw your face and i and i was like i recognize that guy and there was a story on you on i guess it was national geographic you said it was national geographic i don't remember exactly the channel but I remember watching this going, damn, dude, like crazy, crazy life. And I related because I've also had a very crazy life. And so I knew right then, man, you're the guy I would love to get on the show. So thank you so much. Huge thanks you for having me on. And congratulations on your own success as well. You're doing phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's picking up. It's, it's going, it's in all kinds of crazy different directions. But one of the things, one of my favorite things to talk about is comeback stories and, and things of that nature. People, especially have been, I don't care so much about the person that's never been knocked down. I'll be honest. I care about the person that's been knocked down once, twice, three times, multiple times and gets back up and finishes the fight. That's what I care about. And that's you, my man. And, um, you know, we all have our, we all have our lessons to learn in life, but. Let's go through your life in this segment. You know, my audience knows my life. They know I've been knifed and I've died twice and I lost my career and the whole thing. And I've had my story, but let's talk about your story. Um, it says here that you became interested in the stock market at age 14. That's pretty crazy. Trading for the first time at age 16. And then you 
traveled to Arizona, right, to live with family, and you somehow got sucked into the rave scene. So you had a promising – it looked like you were promised to be uh, involved in money. You were understanding the stock market. You probably got off on adrenaline and and, and um, stimulation. So you're that kind of, like, mindset, that kind of, like, that drawed you, the stock market. So let's go into that from there. So you go to Arizona, what happens? Yeah, in summary then, grew up in a town in the northwest of England, didn't have much money, got interested in the stock market at age 14, made my first investment when I was 16, it doubled right away, British Telecom shares, so I was hooked on the stock market from this young age, went down the library, ordered dozens of books on the subject, my economics teacher was giving me classes on my own. Went on to Liverpool University, did a business studies degree, and then flew out to Phoenix, Arizona, where I had two aunts. Now, I was dazzled by Arizona as a teenager. When the planes came into land, you look out the window, you see all the swimming pools in the backyards. They roll out the red carpet when they hear the English accent. And when I was a kid, I was 16, my aunt in Arizona changed my date of birth in my passport, so I was 21. Mm. took me out nightclubbing and she's introduced me to all these beautiful american women as paul mccartney's hold nephew. on wait a second your aunt did this <laughs> wow so this to you so you were probably going out in scottsdale scottsdale the specific club she took me to was zazu's on camelback road in central phoenix and i was 16 and she's introduced me to all these women as Paul McCartney's nephew. <laughs> all these beautiful women are coming up to me. Oh, and let me tell you, Scottsdale has the most beautiful women. That's what that's that's a place that ruined my career. Just to give you, that's where I got knifed was Scottsdale, right there. And that's where I was living for two years. Where my whole that's it. That was the nuclear bomb that went off in my life. So we have that in common. I do get SWAT team raided in Scottsdale, but that's coming later. <laughs> oh so so. I end up in Arizona, and I apply to all these different stock brokerages. In the beginning, it's like Wolf of Wall Street. Dialing broke, smiling brokers make the most money. You're only as big as your numbers are on this board for the month. You have to call 500 numbers a day. If you're not taking lunch breaks, other brokers are calling your clients. Don't be calling your wives, your girlfriends. Other brokers will be calling your clients. They were like drill sergeants. Anyway... I rose up through the ranks. First two years, I'm living off cheese on toast and bananas. I'm living off my student credit cards. Worried I'm going to have to come home. It's commission only. But you're a Five teenager, years. right? No, this this now I'm 20. Okay, um, now I've arrived. 2021, I've arrived. Yeah. Um, so first couple of years, living off cheese on toast and bananas. Worried I was going to have to come home. But five years in, I'm the top guy in the office. Fueled by crystal meth at this point, it increased my aggression. I was making half a million. So to a stay year. alert to do this in the office, you were doing meth. Well, what happened was I got introduced to meth. Like bikers were dropping off meth and coke at the office. Um, any any kind of you know celebration, everyone was just jumping in the limo, doing drugs, going to the strip club. This was the work world I was indoctrinated in. From university, I thought this was normal. <laughs> and it is normal when everyone else around you is doing it, though. That was like me. Everyone was into this stuff. It was all feisty New York Italians who would challenge each other to see how many buffalo balls they could eat to be the most macho. So that was the environment I was in. 
So by five years in, I'm the top guy, grossing half a million a year, got my own staff, secretary, cold callers. And that's the point where I invite my best friend from childhood over, whose name is Wildman. And he was a big guy. He's dead now, RIP Wildman. But Wildman, when I was studying the stock market as a kid in school, he was in a separate school from me. And he had red dots in his head telling him to hurt people. He was picking the school teachers up, putting them in rubbish bins, and the school teachers got so scared of him, they had him outside raking leaves with the caretaker. So at the top of my little town, Widnes, is a quarry, and there's a tree on the rim of the quarry that we would sit on, and we called it the thinking tree, and we'd ask each other what we're going to do when we grow up. So Wild Man's cousin, Hammy, would say to me, what are you going to do when you grow up? I'd say, I'm going to make a million in the stock market. I'm going to fly you guys over to America. We'd ask Hammy, um, Wildman, what's he going to do when he grows up? He says, I'm going to prison. I've got red dots in my head telling me to hurt people. And I said, no, Peter, I'm going to fly you to America. I'm going to make a million. I'm going to get you a job as a wrestler. You're going to fight Andre the Giant. You're going to fight Hulk Hogan and the British Bulldog. And this was how idealistic I was, thinking (laughs) I could get him to, to channel his aggressive energy into wrestling you had good intentions you had like a good heart man i did i went off to america in 91 he went off to prison and five years later now i'm grossing half a million he's got out of prison i fly him over what did he go to prison for so he was told that someone had ecstasy and he knocked the guy out and the guy didn't have any ecstasy but it was classified as a street robbery or something so he, he does about five years for that I get him a apartment, uh, like a shared house apartment by the George and Dragon British pub in Central Phoenix, thinking he'll just have a beer with the expats and he won't get in any trouble. Oh, my goodness. Within a couple of months of him living there, me and my girlfriend go over. A bunch of Mexicans answer the door. I said, where's Peter? Peter? What are you talking about, Peter? Yeah, Peter, he lives here. No Peter here, no Peter. I said, yeah, he lives here. And then they start, like, brandishing guns. So me and my girlfriend backpedal away from the front door. This was Wild Peter's Man. house. This was the house I got him. And yep. you went to, and, and you go there, and Mexicans answer the door, and Peter's not there. And pull guns on us. So I'm backpedaling over the street. Wild Man bounces over the road, all smiles. I said, what the hell, Peter? We just nearly got shot. What the hell's going on with your place? He says, they're the local crack dealers. They like to move around a lot. I'm letting them stay there. They're giving me free crack because I can do a $100 rock in one breath. It goes sizzle, 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 dingle, 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 and it calms down my red dots. And the guy at the back of them, he's running the operation. He's from Colombia, and he wants to invest in the stock market. I'm like, my oh, God, peace. No. My God, peace. No. It gets worse. No, it starts. It gets worse. Go for it. A month later, I'm at the stock brokerage, get a call from my aunt. Peter's place is headline news. There's yellow tape all around it. Someone's been shot dead. It might be him. You need to get your ass down there. So I went down there two times. The first time I went there, I drugs in my car. I got paranoid. There was police tape. There was cops everywhere. There was camera crews. There was a big crowd. So I waited and went down when things had cooled down in the evening. There was blood on the doorstep. I walk in. There's wild man and a homicide cop. When the homicide cop left, I said, Peter, 
What's happened here? He said a couple came over to buy crack from the Mexicans, a man and a woman, and they'd moved back over the road. So the woman went over the road to get the drugs. The man had a gun on him. I've never seen guns before. So I said to the man, I'm from England, can you show me how guns work? And the man said, yeah, the safety's on. You just pull the trigger like this, and the safety wasn't on, and he shot himself oh. point blank in, you know, in, in the head and died right there in front of Peter on the doorstep. I mean, that's the story, but is that really the story? Yeah, because they, really took him off to do, they took him off to do uh, ballistics and everything. You know, they, they can see if someone's fired a gun by looking at the gunpowder residue on the hand. So they let him go after they'd run all the tests, and he didn't want to stay there for much longer, understandably. So he knew this um, some people from the streets, and he went off in this apartment on the west side next with this bouncer, Big guy, blonde hair, long Chippendale style, claiming he was a gangster disciple, and two women who were into the drug community. And I, I went up, wrote a check, and then the next day I got a call from the the woman who rented it to me, who took the check, and she said that Pete has been evicted. I said, why has he been evicted? She said he's beat his roommate up. So, well, how do you know he's beat his roommate up? What proof have you got? She said the roommate was seen running for his life through the apartment complex at night with plasterboard powder all over his face and head, and there's human head-sized holes in all of the walls. So fortunately, he'd done that so fast, I was able to stop the check. One of the females, her boyfriend was behind on the rent in Tempe in a, in a complex called Rancho Murrieta. We put him in there, and that is when the criminal enterprise started because oh. wherever he went what he did was he invited in all the homeless people all of the street people the native american transgender street walking sex workers the gang bangers the mexican mafia italian mafia russian mafia striptease girls it was just non-stop 24 7 uh meth crack whatever drugs he could get his hands on it was just non-stop and it was for going to the. Can I ask you the, the most obvious question my audience is probably asking right now? Like, why did you. What was your attraction to this guy? Why didn't you go the other direction, man? Okay, so I'd bonded with him as a kid. And we, I was part of a little gang called the Sweats. Not like these street gangs you see now that are violent. Just we'd watch too many American movies like The Wanderers and The Warriors. Yeah. And we called ourselves the Sweats. And his oldest brother was the leader of the Sweats, and he wouldn't let him join. And he would beat him up and he would say, look, eat dog shit and I'll let you join. And he'd eat dog shit and then he'd beat him up and send him home. And he was like a couple of years younger than us all. So I took him under my wing and I got kicked out of the sweats. And because I took him under my wing, we just became uh, really close as you kids. You don't know. I was always hoping he was going to change. I was always hoping he was. You don't strike me as a rough guy. You don't. You no, very- I'm not. So were you attracted to the people of that kind of life? Like, because you okay. don't seem like you'd be in a gang, dude. You seem like a very, because I, I was raised around that and you don't fit the stereotype. No, no. I'm a business studies graduate gone wild. My problem is I'd watched too many movies and I got gangsterisis. That's when a nerdy guy like me starts to meet these characters that Wildman introduces me to through this apartment. And now I think I'm a character in a movie like Pulp Fiction or something like that. I have never claimed to be a tough guy or a gangster or anything like that. I'm a business studies graduate, a finance guy. I've got, you know, soft, 
Yeah, but that attracted you for some reason. That attracted you. Those type of people attracted you for some reason. It's the same thing with boxing. Like, there were certain people that always hung out with me. I remember them. They were always these lawyer guys, these corporate type guys, because they couldn't do what I did. They couldn't get in the ring and fight, but they fought in different arenas. So they loved to be around the fight game because it was something that they wish they could have done. Was that kind of the same uh, thing with you? Is that what attracted you? Was it, it was that? Is that why it played? I couldn't do what Wildman did. I had social anxiety as a teenager. I was almost beat to death by some drunks. They left me unconscious. They, they iron bar in the face, knocking pieces of my teeth out. So I got these veneers. And I, after that, I wouldn't talk to strangers. I wouldn't talk to women. My social anxiety was compounded. But with Wildman, and then when taking ecstasy as well, I wouldn't stop talking to people. I was a life and soul of the party. So for over 10 years, I was self-medicating for my anxiety. And while man opened the door into these worlds, I never would possibly have got into. So when he's at Rancho Marietta, this is where I establish a relationship with the New Mexican Mafia. So by the now... The New Mexican Mafia or the Mexican Mafia? The New Mexican Mafia, La Eme. La Eme. Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> there was a couple of situations in Rancho Marietta the first one, I'm, I'm now starting to get more into the ecstasy with Wildman over. And we're having a house party in one of the apartments in Rancho. I'm supplying the pills. This ruggedly handsome Mexican-American guy comes in, G-Dog. He's got the prison tattoos. He's supplying the weed and the coke. And I get talking to him. A cop walks in, says, I could smell weed from outside. Nobody move. G-Dog just whips his gun out puts it in the cop's face and says, the only one who's not leaving is you, motherfucker. Everybody run. I've never seen, any, never, I've never seen anything this heavy before in my life. I'm shitting myself. This is what? beyond gangster writers. Beyond gangster writers. We've got multiple apartments in this complex now. We're operating out. So I go to an apartment run by one of my guys, Fish, and another guy called Seth, and we're crapping it. We're like, because everyone just ran everywhere. We're thinking, the cops are going to come. Should we flush our shit? We don't want to get caught. We're going to go to prison. Next thing, bam, 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 on the French window. We think it's the cops. Open it, and it's G-Dog. He's like, let us in. Let me in. We let him in. He schooled us right away. Turn off the lights. Turn off the TV. Nobody make a noise. If the cops come, they can't get a warrant that fast. Don't answer the door. Blah, 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 blah. So we all just sat there, crapping it waiting for the cops to come, which they did. They knocked, and then they went next door. Now, at the end of the night, I said, look, you're too hot in this area. Why don't I take you to a house I got in Phoenix to cool off? We'll shoot some pool. And that's what we did. And at the end of the night, he said, look, Sean, because you and your mates had my back. Me and my brothers have got your back. I had no idea what that meant. So wait, then, what happened to the cop? Um, the cop, um, G-Dog held him while we all escaped. Or- no, no, he held him while we all escaped, and then he ran off. Okay, so he just, oh, wow, okay. And he tapped on the window where we were at. So we harbored him. Wow. Yeah. Good move. <laughs> so, so a couple of months later, he says, come and meet one of my brothers. So I go to this street in Tempe with all these lowrider cars, and his brother answers the door, little guy, short, no, her, looking at me with this mean face, like suspicious. And then he hears my English accent. He's like, damn, you talk funny. I guess you are from England. Come in and meet my homies. So I go through to this living room. 
all these massive tattooed Mexican-American guys. They've got the chains, the wife beater vest, the shorts below the knees, and slabs of crystal meth, coke, weighing apparatus, guns, all laid out. And they're looking at me like they want to eat me. They're like, this guy does not belong in here. That's the way they're looking at me. So I'm crapping it. I'm looking around the room. I see the biggest TV I've ever seen in my life. They've also got another TV that's watching the road. So all the cars coming and going so they can't get raided or, or, or you know, the enemies can't arrive and surprise them. Uh-huh. But, I, but I look at the big TV. Like, oh, shit. I do a double say. I'm like, that's not an ornament on top of the TV. I've seen one of them before. Where was it? Oh, yeah, it was in a Rambo movie. Rocket propel grenade launch on the what, TV. bro? And they had a camera installed outside on the street so they could watch the street? They're watching everything? Smart, man. Smart. So I'm thinking... That's a serious operation right there. Yeah, I had no idea who they were. I didn't know until they got arrested who they were. And that was a couple of years later. So I got into business with them. And one of the guys was... I met in Rancho Marietta. Older Mexican-American guy, silver, swept back, stately her. So I'm still a stockbroker at this point, and I get a call from Fish, who's one of my guys in Rancho, who's selling E for me, and he says, grab Wildman and Seth, something's happened, they need you guys to come over right away. I'm like, what's happened? He's like, I'd rather not stay on the phone. I'm like, oh, shit. So I go looking for Wildman. He's collecting crack debts for the Colombian in Central Phoenix, so I can't find him. So I go to Fish's apartment. He answers the door, and his girlfriend's crying. I'm thinking, oh, no someone's assaulted her and they want Wildman to beat him up. And then I'm looking at them and they're not saying anything. I'm like, what's the matter? What's going on? They're just not saying anything. And they hear this noise. Like, what the hell was that? And, and they both just look over to the other room and they're like, you better go look in. So I go into this other room and the guy with the silver hair, he stood there giving order to a group of Mexicans with cattle prods, and there's a naked, hog-tied man on the floor with a rockabilly quiff, and he's gagged. And when the guy with the silver hair gives an order in Spanish to the Mexicans, the cattle rods hit the guy, piss shoots out of his dick, he rocks like a rocking horse, his eyes are almost popping out of his head, he can't, he can't scream because he's muffled. A cattle rod, like, bro? A cattle rod? Cattle rod. heavy duty, man. That's, yeah. So I'm looking at the guy with the silver hair, and he's smiling at me like, welcome to the family kind of look. And I'm thinking, I can't show how scared I am right now because they're going to view me as a liability. I've got to put on a tough face. So I just forced a smile, and I said, look, it looks like you guys have got this situation firmly under control. I'll tell Wildman, you know, what's going on, but i got to get back to my office. So I got out of that room, and I'm talking to Fish and his girlfriend on the way out. I'm saying, what the hell happened? And he goes, well, as you know, I'm moving product for them and I'm moving pills for you. And that guy on the floor, he was one of my customers. He watched the place, came back, tried to rob the place. We caught him. I called you. I called them because he robbed your stuff and he robbed their stuff. And they got here first. I'm like, well, what's going to happen now? And he's just, anyway, I, didn't, I, was, I was worried, man. Did they end up killing heavy. that guy or can you say or do you know? Yeah, I know what happened. I drove back to the office and I was worried about the guy. His face was in my head, like haunting me. So I checked up a few days later with Fish and Fish said, 
They called his roommate and they said, look, you've got to pay $10,000 or he's getting took out to the desert. And the 10000 was paid and he was released. Jeez. Wow. Um, so as this, is this, so now you're introduced to this life, you're kind of thrown into it, but you had a habit yourself. You're taking the ecstasy. So that's got to be uh, inhibiting your thinking. You've got to be, you've got to be like, you're not in your right state of mind. Cause I've done that stuff, man. That's when I, when I got knifed, um, I was on X, I was on Molly and I was on, I was drinking a lot. I was drunk. I was plastered three sheets to the wind and also on Molly. So I was doing it all as well. And it was in Phoenix. So you're obviously now you're dealing drugs, you're doing all this and you're not in your right state of mind. Correct. I mean, you're kind of just, you're just kind of going through life at this point in like mock speed, like just going. So when does the trouble start coming for you? Oh my goodness. So this is just the beginning of it. I'll try and summarize then because I had like a four or five year run. So wild man at the end of that visit, because he's destroyed so much property, he's unhousable. He's living under a tree in Tempe. He is a, a real wild man. This guy is fucking crazy. Obviously what you're saying, no, no surprise to me. He's passed. By the end of his visit, he's living under the tree with a Rambo knife, a baseball bat, in Tempe Beach Park, he knocks out these guys who are shaking down the homeless people and take, he's like the king of the streets in, in the Tempe Beach Park. And then he's him and his girlfriend, who's a striptease girl who likes to taser her female parts. They go on the rampage like Bonnie and Clyde. He gets caught, they get caught, and he's deported from the U.S. and banned for America for life for being a menace to society. And it's not a couple of years later before I bring him back. But in the meantime, now I've already established all of my connections because if people had beefs in the rave scene, the local cliques, they would come to me in Wildman and we would adjudicate and settle their disputes. And through that, through them coming up to me when I was driving, you know, on the south side of coming up to some warehouse in the ghetto, I've got a twin turbo Mazda RX-7, and they're calling me the Bank of England and English Sean, and they're asking me to invest in their rave projects because they know I've got money. Through these relationships, I managed to incorporate about 200 local people at the peak of it who were working for me, throwing raves and distributing ecstasy. But you had you at your peak. You had two hundred people working for you. I guess you could call them like employees working for you, drug dealers distributing your product. Yeah, at the peak of it, we're bringing tens of thousands of pills in through. So Mexico I probably from Holland. Some, if I was partying in Phoenix, I got your stuff. What years were you partying in Phoenix? Oh, two thousand ninety nine to two thousand twelve. Okay, so ninety nine, yeah, you you probably you probably had that stuff. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's I, was, when I was getting your stuff because I was in the scene around that time, all that area. I was having fun. I would go in and out of there to Vegas. Were you just doing Phoenix, or were you doing different cities? At the peak of it, people were coming from all over the states to to get uh, thousands of pills from us. So but, you were. So you would you you can say all that area, Vegas, L.A. Phoenix, I call it the Dirty Triangle. That's that's your that was your angle. That was your. We had we had people come from the East Coast, Chicago, um, all over the states. I mean, in the, in the beginning, we were going through LA for a couple of years, but then we, my, my people in LA, uh, ran into problems, and we just we had to get more supply, and, and Holland is the way. So, but ninety nine was the pivotal year because you asked when it starts to go to shit. 
the scene got lit up because the crew that was getting run by Gerard Gravano, Sammy the Bull's son, lit the scene up, brought the feds, and all of a sudden... What do you mean lit the scene? Oh, so he got busted there, and that's what caused the feds to move in there? Is that what you're saying? All right, so all of a sudden, these big, like, steroid head jock guys started appearing selling the pills, not the raver guys that we were, you know, we were supplying. And we were like, who the hell are these guys? Now, my wife at a time, she was bisexual. She was doing lesbian internet porn when I met her. Bright woman, university degree. Uh, but she had a bisexual uh, relationship with a, a female who was also in a relationship, this female, with one of these new types of dealers. And through the women, a sit-down was arranged at a bar club in Tucson called Heart Five. And that's where I met two of these guys and found out what was going on because talking to them, they were trying to get me to sell their product. And I was like, look, we go to Holland. We use testing kits, ecstasy 100, 125 milligrams of MDMA and clay. We've got the base press. We've got a good reputation. Why should I be going through you guys? You've got these colored pills. And there was two of them. There was, there was a, the, a, the Spaniard and the six and a half foot bodybuilder guy jumps off the sofa and says, who do you think you are disrespecting our pills? One call to Sammy the Bull, and we can have you taken out to the desert. And I've got a documentary coming out with Sammy the Bull on a huge U.S. network that's got almost 100 million subs um, later this year. Wow. Wow. Okay, dude, so this is getting heavy right now. So, like, so you're basically, they're giving you an ultimatum that you got to just sell their stuff. Or yeah. are they wanting to take over your product too? Well, it was friendly at that point. There was, it was kind of hinted that's what they wanted me to do. They didn't give me an ultimatum. But the Gravano Enterprise had a number of different clicks. And one of my, actually my top ecstasy sales guy, he was lured to a nightclub in Scottsdale by them under the pretenses they wanted to buy product. They took him into the men's room, smashed his teeth out, and took his product and robbed him. And my thing was, you know, I, I'd structured it like a corporation. So... Under me were all the heads of the factions, and then with the factions, middlemen, and then the street people. If anyone heads of the factions got smashed or anything arrested, or that's my protective shield pierced. So when they knocked his teeth out, that was my protective shield getting pierced. So I relocated from Scottsdale to Sinvacus, million dollar house on the side of a mountain in this gated, guarded community. You couldn't even get up the street without the guard had to call the house for security purposes. So that's where I was around 1999, um, living on that hill. And oddly enough, Paul McCartney was a few miles no. down the mountain range. <laughs> my, my, oh uncle, my, my uncle. <laughs> Dude, how much were you making in your peak? All right. So I know that document- scene was huge, bro. I remember how big that was back in the day. I mean, everyone was on XSC. I mean, I remember... Damn, dude. I remember everyone was on that stuff, man. I remember I was doing it. Like, I would take two, three doses a night. Sometimes I was out of my mind. I was... How much were you making in your peak? We just had to go over this with the legal department for the documentary I've just done with Sammy the Bull. And they estimated that the street value was in the tens of millions and that the profit was five million plus. Five million plus a year? No, five million plus over the over the five years or whatever it was. Okay, okay, so that's still huge. But and you, so you're a young kid, party late twenties, 
Late 20s. Late 20s at this point, just fucking partying, making massive amounts of money at this shit, and just living the life of whatever, well, what some people would dream of, right? People like us. Like, <laughs> so what, 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 okay, so let's get to the point that, and I know we're limited on my program, but let's try to get into it. What made you stop? How how did you get thrown in jail? What was the final boom, the final cut? All right, let me just say also for people, I'm not trying to glamorize with those Absolutely numbers. Not. And I, I work in schools now in drugs education, telling young people, kids, scaring the living daylights out of them with the jail conditions and what can happen to them if they go down that road of drugs and gangs. So the shit hit the fan. They had 10 witnesses come forward and give them statements but the only one who did harm was my top XC sales guy whose teeth had gotten knocked out. Because when Wildman came back, Skinner was my little brother. That was the top XC guy. And when Wildman came back, now we've got big brother. And I was spending more time with Wildman than Skinner. So there was a jealousy there. And Skinner plotted. He was doing meth. He was smoking sherm sticks, doing crack. And he decided to firebomb to organize a firebombing of Wild Woman's apartment, that was Wild Man's partner, and to send some guys as saviors to say, get in the car, bring your product, and they were going to take the product. But they'd underestimated Wild Woman because she's a scouser, which means she's from Liverpool. And Millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. 
violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting modes, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting modes, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com. Actually, in the footage, she's a tiny blonde woman. But in the pre-surveillance, it shows her running down a street in Tempe with a giant fan trying to smash Wildman's head in and Wildman running away. And just to get an idea of Wildman's size, when he died, he was six foot two and 29 and a half stone. Which so is- I think that's like... 450 pounds, something oh, wow. like that. He was, well, kind of obese then, right? He was, was like he? a burr, like a burr, because when he was in Mexico, we sent him down to Mexico to pave the way for the, the you know, you've got to be okay with the cartel if you're going to run stuff through Mexico. And when I went down to Mexico, my mate said if he behaves like he's behaved in America, the Mexicans would kill him. Yeah. When I went to Mexico, the cartel guys were running around in military jeeps and asking me what if I could send them any business, business their way. Um, and we were okay to do the pills through there. So and, wait, you um, were going to send them product to Mexico? You were going to start shipping to Mexico? So not only did you have Phoenix and all that, now you were going to start going to Mexico. What we did was we we, we stopped bringing it in from Europe to the U.S. because we, we lost a couple of guys at airports. So we consulted a lawyer as to what we should do, and she suggested bring them in through Mexico. So to pave the way with the Mexicans – what we were bringing through, we would give them some of our product so they were cool with us. So that didn't, you know, impact that. And they loved Wildman anyway. They called him El Oso, the burr, because of his El fighting Oso. style. He, he had a left hand. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he was, he wasn't like a bodybuilder size guy. He, he had a big belly. He was physically shaped like a burr and he would just, he'd usually knock someone out with the left. And then just maul them like like a big old grizzly bear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, his bear. That's crazy. God, Lisa. Yeah. So, so, so you're about to set up operation in Mexico, and then what happens? It just. So what happened was the shit hit the fan. Um, Skinner, like I said, he tried. He, he he did a firebomb attack on Wild Woman. The firebomb came through the window, almost hit her in the face. She's got a scar, and Wild Man was on one of his deportations, he was in prison yet again at this point. And he's like, get me out of here. I got him deported back to London and he got on a flight right back to, well, I was sending like mission impossible uh, teams style teams of people through Mexico and Canada to bring him back in. And he gets back in and now he's just completely on crack meth, no sleep for weeks at a time. And he's just got a one-trap mind now to murder Skinner. And Skinner got so scared he went to the cops. And I actually talked to a guy called Joey Crack. 
later on in the jail, the Italian mafia were running our building and they put one of my co-defendants, Joey Crack, in with me. And he would tell us wild man stories every night and all the Italians were sat there fascinated. And one of the stories he said was, he went to Skinner's apartment looking for Skinner. And Skinner, by now, he didn't know, had already gone to the cops and left the state, fearing for his life. And he says, as he walked into Skinner's apartment, Wildman's giant hand just grabbed his neck and he's choking him and looking at his face. And he said he saw the devil in Wildman's eyes and sweat's just dripping down his face and his chin, his eyes are blood red. And he's like, it's me, it's Joey Crack, don't kill me, Peter, don't kill me. And Wildman released him. He looked around the room and Wildman had every weapon laid out, knives, hammers, golf clubs, baseball bats. Mortar. To, to do things to Skinner, yeah, because he almost firebombed his woman. Damn. That's a rough, bro. That's like a, I thought I had a rough crowd. No. <laughs> no. What? So how did you get, how did you end up in the Huskow? How did you get put in? Yeah, May 16th, 2002. I've quit the importation now. I've been warned. And I've met a woman, and we're in love, and, and she said, look, you got to stop this. These guys you're hanging out with are too heavy. I'm terrified. So we got an apartment in Scottsdale. She's from Phoenix, or she's of she's a- Scottsdale, and we got an apartment together, and we didn't let anyone know where we lived. But- were you investing your money at all, or were you just blowing it? Well, I had a couple of million in the stock market. Okay. I didn't even need to be getting involved in the drugs. This is the crazy thing. Jeez. I just started so you throwing were an adrenaline saw the business. You, were just, you just loved the life. You just got off on it. Addiction to the life. I've written five books about Escobar, and his, his brother said to him, we're worth billions. Why don't we just kick back on our own island? We won't get killed. We won't end up doing life in prison. And Escobar said, I've got tens of thousands working for me. I put the president in power. You want me to kick back on some boring-ass island? And uh, it's, it's addiction to the lifestyle. It's not the money anymore. And he got, he got, he died young because of that decision. Yeah, it, you, you're gonna die. Like if you keep going down this road, you will die. Like that's why I changed my life. I, I had to. I had no choice. I had no more hall passes. So prison is what scared you. Yeah, because I hadn't quit the usage. Even though I quit the importation, I was still sne- sneaking off on the weekend, partying with Wildman and G-Dog and getting high and ecstasy and GHP. And um, it was May 16th, 2002. I was on the, the stock market on my computer in the morning. Bam, 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 bam. And then I'm looking at the people. It's blacked out. I'm thinking, is it the cops or people pretending to be cops come to rob me? So I go to the bedroom, speak to my girlfriend. Well, all right, we better let him in. We get halfway through the living room and then just boom. Door just flies off the hinges. Hands above your heads. Get on the ground now. Don't move. And we just dropped down really fast. Heart almost popping out my chest. And the detective I learned from the police paperwork was my nemesis. Hoist me up by the handcuffs. You're like English, Sean. We finally got you. You're wow. a big so name They were from probably the following, following you for a while. They were on to you for oh, a while. When I read the paperwork, this guy was in restaurants. Sat next to me. Um, they had, at the end, they couldn't figure out who I was until the very end, and then they put a satellite tracking device on my car. Uh, but there was 10,000, approximately 10,000 calls recorded in a wiretap. Um, and I hadn't spoke about drugs. I never, if you watch the wire, how they use pages and pager codes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I did, and that's what I insisted everybody else did. But a lot of people threw my name out, and it was a big conspiracy case then. 
so so then what? You go to jail for how many years did you do in jail? I was fighting my case for twenty six months. I was facing so in twenty six months. You were, but you were still in prison though, right? You were still in jail while you were, while you were Sheriff fighting. Joe Arpaio's jail. That's where I was at. Yeah, Wait, the tent city. What year? What year? Oh, no, oh no, I went no, in no. twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. All right, twenty eleven. Sorry, twenty eleven, twenty twelve. Was it? Was it still pretty bad then? Yeah, I mean, I was, dude. It was horrible. It was hot outside, and was that where you were at? No, I was in crap. Fucking, I remember the tuna things and the chips. I'd crumble the chips in the tuna cans and eat the Doritos and tuna. And then, I mean, were you in the same place? It was like it was like uh, in Maricopa. The Maricopa County Jail System yeah. has about a dozen different jails. So, okay. depending upon your course of classifications, where you go. In the beginning, I was medium, and then they put me in max. And then after that, I went up to Supermax. And then I got uh, to prison and then deported. So I was fighting my case for 26 months. I was facing a maximum 200-year sentence. I used a lawyer. 200-year sentence? Yeah, in the beginning, and oh about God. a dozen charges, and serious drug offender status, which carries 25 to life. So in the second year, because no one was cooperating, in Gravano's case, all 57 co-defendants cooperated quite quickly. In my case, they had over 100 co-defendants, and everyone was really loyal and bonded, and no one was cooperating. So they had to increase the pressure on me. So in my second, uh, beginning of the second year, they doubled my charges. They charged my girlfriend to stop her from visiting me, and they put they doubled my bail to 1.5 million cash only. So that's when I was classified, reclassified to maximum security Madison Street Jail. Jeez. So what was your experience like in there? What made you, what, what, at what point, what was the breaking point for you where you were like, okay, man, like this is, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm cooperating. I'm done. Well, Hard Time is the book I've written about the jail experience alone. And that is, I think, 13 or 14 hours of audio. <laughs> so wow. to condense it, to condense it, it's, I mean, you, you had, you had a good taste of it in, in uh, the tents. As soon as I go into Towers, the neo-Nazi Aryan Brotherhood come up to me right away and they do a charge check. So they take me into a cell and they're like, what are your charges, Wood? And I'm like, I'm new to all this. I've read it, you know, continuous criminal enterprise, conspiracy, crime syndicate. I don't know what that shit means. So I say to them, I don't know what my charges mean. This is not a good answer. Now they've got me against the wall about to attack me. What do you mean you don't know what your charges mean? Are you a chomo? Are you a chomo? I don't even know what a chomo was at this point. So Explain what that pull is. out my charge. Um, child molester. It's oh, KOS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 good. No, kill on sight. Kill on sight for child yeah, yeah, molesters. Yeah, yeah. And I, I saw that happen twice as well. Really? We can get to that if you want. So I pull my charge sheet out. The same in for drugs. They're impressed by the $750,000 bail. They're like, damn, what are you in for? Are you, you guys the mafia or what? I'm like, no, ecstasy, raves, that kind of thing. And then they they tell me, well, this is all the rules you must follow or else you're going to get smashed. If someone calls you a punk or a bitch or hits you, you've got to fight back or the whole gang will attack you. You cannot sit with the other races or they'll smash you for that. You've got to take showers or they'll smash you for bad hygiene. You can't go talking to the guards. They'll smash you for snitching. So they're just like trying to school me on the prison etiquette and then they told me I stunk because I've been in the horseshoe for a couple of days to take a shower. And then the next day, another guy had come in. That's when he was a suspected chomo. And I saw him get left 
looked like he was in a coma or dead. Wow. So this is this is insanity. Did you um while you're in prison when you're about to get out, you know you don't want to go back, you know there's no chance in this. How many years did you do total? Six. Dude, that's pretty short. I was short. sentenced, I was sentenced to nine and a half. You got those knocked down quite a bit. I was sentenced to nine and a half years, thanks to the New Mexican Mafia lawyer who we paid a hundred grand to. But you were hanging out with the woods in prison. You were a wood. Oh, yeah, absolutely. you got no choice. Did they know you were dealing with a lawyer from the New Mexico Mafia? <laughs> yeah, guess what? I mean, you know when the Italian Mafia took over my building? The head of the Italian Mafia was using my lawyer. So, you know, he was an equal opportunity lawyer. This is um, a great lawyer. To get, the, to get all those, you were facing 200 years, right, in the yeah. beginning. Yeah. And no, all you no, did was, not in the beginning, in my second year, because I wouldn't cooperate. They doubled my charges. But this lawyer managed to get all those knocked down to where you just did, you were doing nine years, you got out in six? Yeah, he had a loophole for first-time nonviolent drug offenders and not U.S. citizens. And when I got sentenced and they read it out of my sentencing hearing, the prosecutor and the detective and my family had flown all over the world for my sentencing hearing. The prosecutor and the detective tried to get my sentence in cancelled and the judge called everybody back to his chambers and ruled that it stood, and I couldn't believe it, and that was one of the happiest days of my life, getting sentenced to nine and a half years. And God bless Alan Simpson, the lawyer who got what were me that you deal. Thinking, what were you thinking you were going to do? What, how much time did you realistically think you were going to do? Well, during the course of the 26 months, I went from facing 100 plus years plus 25 serious drug offender status to 200 plus serious drug offender status. And when I thought I was never getting out, I planned to kill myself. Yeah. And I thought, I'll wait till the guard does a security walk and just slash my wrist and bleed out in this cockroach-infested cell. And what I, I waited, and then I wanted to say goodbye to my family and friends. And what I mean by that, I was allowed seven photos in the Max jail and photos of my girlfriend, my mom, dad, sister. And I'm looking at the photos. And to be honest, David, I started crying looking at the photo of my mom thinking, your mum's going to get a call saying your son has, has killed himself in a foreign jail. And I, I you know, I couldn't bear the thought of putting my mum through that. And that's what stopped me from slashing my wrists. But then you get the nine and a half year sentence and you're a yeah. lady. Yeah. Got to, to, once you're facing 200 years, your million dollar house on the mountain doesn't matter. Your swimming pool and jacuzzi, your plasma screen, your all your sports cars and SUVs. None of it matters. It crushed that material side. I mean, I've done a TED talk called What Facing 200 Years Taught Me About Happiness. So just to get my life back, your mind just laser focuses on that. So getting nine and a half years, I could see when I was going to get my life back. And that was one of the happiest days of my life. So you do your time, you get out in six, and throughout that course of time that you're doing, what kind of transition are you going through? What, what Are you bettering yourself? Are you reading the Bible? I don't know. What, what's going on? What happened was, when I was in the Maximum Security Medicine Australia in my second year, I started to think about the needs of other people. In the first year, I was still pretty wild. I would have gone back to it if they'd released me. Yeah. And I thought, prisoners, you know, I, I, 
lock them up, throw away the key. They're pedos, rapists, serial killers. And I saw the average arrest was like a black kid, Mexican kid, two to five years, weed possession, because he had prior convictions. I realized, and I've written a series of books, Deconstructing the War on Drugs and Mass Incarceration. And I realized, and looking back now, the stats back it up, almost a million arrests a year for weed possession. And every kid they snatched, the jail got $60,000 a year of taxpayers' money per person. I learned that prison Big was the business. biggest house ill more than half of my friends in jail were vets war vets they'd come back didn't get any help from the government self-medicated on street drugs and ended up in prison for that all the women in prison before before the war on drugs and mass incarceration women hardly ever went to prison women became the fastest growing prison population so hearing the stories and hearing that they had you know these people were addicts to heroin for addicts to heroin they're out robbing, snatching granny's purses, burgling people, lock them up for a way to key. But when I lived with them for six years and heard the sad stories, oh my God, David, they were victims of pedophiles. They'd been traumatized. They'd seen their parents murdered. They didn't even have families. They were thrown onto the streets as kids raised on the streets and they'd never got any help. And getting on heroin was the only time they could block that t- pain and trauma out. And what does society do? Round them up. Throw them in a jail like Arpaios, where guards are murdering mentally ill prisoners. They even murdered a blind prisoner and re-traumatize them. And the guards are bringing in the drugs and 90% were injecting heroin. And two-thirds of them were dying because they had hepatitis C from sharing dirty needles. I was disgusted by what was going on. And I started to write everything down with a tiny little pencil sharpened on the door. And my aunt, through max security visitation, smuggled those written entries out put them on the internet as a blog called John's Jail Journal, J-O-N. And that's how my activism started, and it's all still on the line. People can check it out. It's all timestamped, documented. Where can people go to see that? On, online. It's just put in Google, John's Jail Journal. And you can my, – my journey starts in 2004 on the blog. I think it's 2004. And people can follow my, my progress um, through that. And then the YouTube channel – Started in 2007, I was released. So we did the first prison blog with the first uh, prison YouTube channel. And I'm just blessed that when I got out, you know, I lived in, I lived in my parents' house for a year. And then I lived in my mate's bedroom for 10 years. And I just kept building the channel, building the blog and building my socials. And as it got bigger and bigger to where it is today, it's now my karmic duty and destiny to help other people who've been in prison, to share their stories and help give them a leg up. And what I realized, David, is talking to so many people in prison, there's good and bad in everyone. And I try and focus on the good in people and help it come out. And some of our podcast guests, it's been absolutely life transforming for them what's happened as a result of the podcast. I do yoga, I do meditation, I discovered all that in the jail. And I hope that's balancing my karma out for putting people on that road of drug use that creates so much horror in society. And I only realized that because I thought I was just keeping the party going, throwing the parties. But when I got in there and saw the guys with the hepatitis C and the yellow jaundice skin and the teeth rotting out, I was ashamed of putting people on the road of drug use. And I knew I couldn't change my past, but I resolved to go out and share my story to help young people. My mom had a nervous breakdown over what I did. My sister had to have counseling. And these are the things that I tell the school kids, think about your parents because the gang members ain't going to be visiting you. They're going to be trying to get in your girlfriend's pants. If you're going to be your mom, my mom flew 5,000 miles every year, sat for hour, um, waited outside for hours on end in the Arizona desert to get in 
sniffer dogs on her ass and all that shit. And then she gets in and I see her crumpled over in the visitation room, her face broken because of what I've done to my own mum. And that just absolutely broke my heart. Was your, was your, you're close to your dad too, right? Oh, yeah. My dad is, has been my rock for all this. Absolutely. So you, your parents were together through this whole process or were they separated or? No, my parents, I was a shotgun wedding for them when they were in their late teens. My wow. dad just had his 75th birthday. Happy and, birthday. Um, they are just, just an w- amazing, wonderful couple. Yeah. So now, what, so now they see your success and what you're doing for society, and they've got to be just so proud of you. Well, my mom's, what my mum cares about is the school talks, and she's come to some of them, and she's actually spoke at some of them. And if people go online and look at Sean Atwood's mum's emotional school talk, the whole audience started crying when she talked about what she went through. So are you right now, you're busy giving speeches at schools, you do a lot of events at schools, or what? Like what, what is it, prison? Do you go to like... Do you speak at prisons or do you just do schools? Oh, yeah. We we speak at prisons and state schools and independent schools. And in the last five years, I've donated um, 30,000 books to kids in state schools and to prisoners. So that's always been, you know, the tip of the spear of our mission right there. I was doing over 100 talks a year to schools and colleges across the UK before the pandemic. We've got, I've done, I've written 16 books. Here's my latest one, Sit Downs with Gangsters. We've interviewed over a 1,000 people on the channel now, and that's 10 of the hardest-hitting stories in that just come out. And I've got on the channel now, I've got like six co-hosts. We're, we're doing constant content. We've got 20 people working on the channel. So I just feel absolutely blessed, David, that I've come through it and I've learned these things. It forced me to grow up as a person. I was emotionally immature before I got the SWAT teamed. And I feel blessed that it's set my path. And I've just had, you know, I told you earlier on, I just had my little baby, Ziggy. He just got born a couple of days ago. Ziggy. And I, <laughs> That's Ziggy. awesome, man. And his middle name is Wilder after Wildman, R.I.P. Oh, Wildman. wow. Yeah, I was wondering about yeah. that. I saw that you put that up, and I was like, was it after Deontay Wilder, the boxer? Or why would you name him <laughs> so Wildman? Now that makes sense. Yeah. Man, yeah. Sean, like what is what a great story, man. I mean, it's I'm sad you had to go through all that, but so have I. I've gone through, but I mean, dude, I uh I've been through some stuff too. I, like I said, I've almost lost my life, but this isn't about me, this is about you, the story, and uh you're amazing. And I and I just want to say I, it's a privilege to have you on because like I said, I pay attention to the people. I listen to the people who've been knocked down and get back up. They, they hit rock bottom and find out rock bottom as a basement. And you did. And, and in my own way I did well as well, but but um, I gravitate to people like you that have these comeback stories, and you've taken that business sense that you that you know selling drugs and doing all the stuff you were doing back in the day, and now you've incorporated it into podcasting and telling and sharing your story to youth. And, and so I commend you, and I just want to say thank you for coming on Nino's Corner TV. I'm going to put this on YouTube. I call it Fluff Tube. Uh, I don't think there'll be any edits on this, but Sean, I, I'd love to have you on again, man. If if you'd be willing to come on at some point, maybe later on in a few months or later on in the year, if you're up for it. Absolutely, David. There's so many more stories. My life story is a trilogy. It's party time, hard time, prison time, and it's 30 plus hours of stories. So you can imagine. Jeez. So I was going to ask you, did you get any confrontation in yourself? In the, did you learn how to fight in jail? Were you always getting someone else so, to fight for you? <laughs> well, you don't seem like a fighter. How much time you got left? Go for it. When 
the van was bringing us into the Madison Street Jail. It was the first group of co-defendants, half men, half women. There was 13 of us. The women got out the van first. And as you know, I don't know if, if it was still the Madison Street Jail intake where you, you in your situation, but like there's a lot of shit going on. The new arrestees, gangbangers, homeless, people yeah. who are drunk, people who have been in fights, people who have been tasered. Pretty rowdy crowd going into the jail. And they see the women getting off, and they all turn around and just start yelling obscenities. Now, Wildman is watching this. When Wildman is going to do something crazy, he looks completely calm, his face. But one eyebrow goes completely up, almost vertical. I know that's when his red dots are kicking in. So he's watching this. Wild woman gets off, and they start yelling at her something like, you know, get your tits out or something. And his eyebrow just goes up. He's got this big Vikings beard. And he's got this look on his face. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> he gets to the top step of the van, and the redneck guard's yelling at him to get down. And he refuses to get down. And he, he tilts his, his Vikings beard back and he's all chained up. And he goes, you lot, disrespecting our women. I'm going to be in there with all of you in a minute. I'll have fucking any of you. You think I won't? And he goes, ha, 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 And veins, veins are popping out of his head. Holy and shit. They all, they all just shit themselves and shut the fuck up right away. Cause they were going to be in there. They were going to be in there with him in a minute. To answer your question, he was a good guy to get arrested with. I didn't get into many situations at all, especially my first couple of years. And Bruno, who was an enforcer for the Italians when I clicked up with them in the jail, he saw my locked up abroad episode a couple of years ago. He'd be a good one for you to get on, actually. Please. And he, he said, um, Everybody knew Wildman was a maniac. We all had love and respect for him, he was just, but he was just a one-man machine. <laughs> and, uh, so they, they found out quickly, you know, the Wildman was... Not to mess with you because your association with Wildman. They were like, forget it. Don't even go near... So this dude, insane. On all of, off the charts, insane, this guy. He, he, was invited to the club, he was invited to the clubhouse by the Hells Angels. Like I said, the Mexican cartel were running him around in. But you couldn't jets. have a guy like that on, is unless he's a hitman. But he's still a liability because he's so crazy. You can't, right? Am I right? Like you can't really bring him on because he's that crazy. Yeah, his his, his chaos uh, entered my life. There were moments when I couldn't even let him know where he he lived because he was getting so dangerous. Um, even the Aryan Brotherhood, at the end of his sentence, offered him the full membership patch. And he told them to fuck themselves. He says, you, the, the, you want me to get swastikas when my grandfather fought fucking Hitler in World War II? <laughs> but they went, went wild, man. Was he, when, never, was he never associated in jail with the woods? Yeah. They, they, okay. When Wildman arrived at Buckeye Prison, the woods came to him and said, what are your charges? He said, I've had a long day. I'm going to sleep. Fuck off. And he said, no, you can't tell us to fuck off. Don't you know who we are? What are your charges? Wildman just knocked the guy out. And then they came back and they said, you're fucked. We're going to find out who you are. You don't know what you've just done. You're fucked. Wildman went to sleep. He always falls asleep after when there's chaos. He just loves it. Wakes up and they came back to him and they said, yeah, we know who you are. Do you want that guy's job that you knocked out? They had him running the buildings for the entirety of his sentence. 
And at the end of his sentence, they offered him the full Aryan Brotherhood patch and he told them to fuck off because Hitler <laughs> tried to bomb his grandfather apart from World <laughs> War II. <laughs> Holy shit, I wish I would have met this guy. Maybe not. Maybe yeah. not. So hey, there's, there's, there's like... I think there's like 200 videos of him on my channel. Talk, really? Telling I want to watch these. Do you have pictures yeah. of him and all that? Oh, man. I'll send you his mugshot if you want to put it in the trailer for this or something. He Dude, looks like... Send me... You're send like, me you're like serial killer. You're not serial killer. No country for old men. He's got yeah, that yeah, machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got the long hair. He's looking like that. He's just got like the killer eyes and the long hair, but even bigger than that guy. <laughs> Dude, so how did he die? Oh man, he died in his late forties. Late from but he multi- made it that long? From multiple organ failure. I mean Drinking he, he or- had <clears throat> while he was uh alive in Phoenix, for example. Hold he on, had, so he, he did- died of natural let's say quote unquote natural good natural death. He didn't die from violence. It's the drugs, man. Wow. Because he was so he was so hardcore. He did his heart he did problems to his heart when he was in Arizona. He would get high and he would walk around for days and he would come back sometimes with his feet all bloody and he sh- he's cut his shoes open. And sometimes though, he would just pass out unconscious, wake up in hospital and he damaged his heart. They had to put a stent in his heart right away. And uh, when the SWAT team came, there was one point where he, he ended up in hospital and he asked me for an ecstasy. And I thought when he was getting out of the hospital, he was going to take the ecstasy. He had all those devices attached to him, monitoring him and he just popped the ecstasy right away. While he was on the hospital bed and all the devices, beep, 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 and we, we had to run out of the hospital. So he, he just, um, just, he was just, just full on, full on. The guy is just one of those, dude, I've had, I can't say I've known anybody that, no, I've known some crazy people, but I can't say that hardcore, man. That, that's, uh, my friends are pretty hardcore though. I mean, they were, they did some bad shit and they were tough motherfuckers, but I can't say anybody just, that's like a suicide mission. That's just a guy that's just, n- just I, you know i'll be honest with you my friends would say i probably resembled that type of guy before i changed my life like i'm more so that but not that crazy i was not that crazy but i was the craziest out of the bunch but i mean they'd be oh man it comes rodrigo is gonna is on like i would always be the guy that you know fought beat the shit out of somebody or did something stupid in mexico go to mexican jail whatever but this guy was on another level like this guy is just Insane. Could never, he was, I had to warn everybody, never ever let him try and drive a vehicle. He was banned from driving. And one of my guys, one of my bouncers, he let him drive. And Wildman immediately just tried to turn the wheel into oncoming traffic. But he was, how did he last till his late 40s? I almost died twice when, in 2011. <laughs> how did this guy make it? To, so he died in, what, in his sleep or how? No, it was sad, man. Yeah, he was... Um, <clears throat> So he'd started to get like the swelling at the ankles and he was my co-host and the, the viewers loved him and I was watching him when we were co-hosting the podcast and there was like liquid coming through his trousers. And I'm like, what's that, man? And he's like, oh, it's just water. I'm going to call it wild man water and bless people with it. But there's, there's something in your blood that your skin gets rid of when you're seriously close to something that could kill you. So anyway, I was I was insisting that he try and get in the hospital and stuff. This was Corona time, which was tricky. Oh, so he just and, died, and he was saying he was saying, um, you know, I don't want to go. The old people need need the hospital beds and stuff like that. I don't want to go in the hospital and take the hospital beds. 
He had a big heart, even though he was a maniac, he had a big yeah. heart for people, very protective uh, of everyone. And he did go in the hospital because uh, he, 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 something happened with his heart. And then the mask or something slipped off him, the oxygen thing in the night, and um, he died. Ali. Did he slow yeah. down at all towards the last years of his life? Like when he was sick with, did he at least like start coming to have a come to Jesus moment or was he just always just crazy till the end? Never. He, he, in his final years, he wasn't even leaving the house. And when he got back to the UK, he barely went to pubs because anywhere he went, he would get in fights and he knew he didn't want to go back to prison. So by the end of it, he was just doing a bit of the, smoking a bit of the green, chilling with his wife and his dog. I think when his dog died a year or so before he died, that was a, uh, that was his last thing because he, you know, he had no word. He was walking the dog was his last health thing. Yeah. He just sat around at home eating and, uh, gaining weight. Jeez. Man, dude, what a story. What a story, man. Sean, thank you. Seriously, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Where can people find pleasure. you? Yeah, all my socials, YouTube channel, everything, books, it's all just under my name, which is S H A U N, Sean. Atwood, A-T-T, Wood. We're almost at 800,000 subs on YouTube, so if anyone can help us get to that, we're close, you know, that we would appreciate it. And, and Give Sean a man, follow, you, folks. This guy is amazing. You, uh, what a story. Like I said, folks, I like people that have been knocked down and get back up. This guy's been knocked down many, many times, and and uh, so that's why I love to hear your story, man. So you are an inspiration for many people, Sean. Thank you. You're so easy to talk to, David. I would love to come back on, man. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Let's stay friends, brother. You got a friend of me, man. Cheers. Cheers, man. Cheers. Later. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new eBooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. 
Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. www.fighterflare.com. Order now.